Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and this is the Exponential Wisdom Podcast, and I'm here with my partner in exploring the future, the exponential future. This is Peter Diamandis, and Peter, I've got a tool for you today, and I just wanted to show you how this is being very, very useful for us to have this tool for our entrepreneurs, and I just wanted to get your feel for this type of thinking, not necessarily this tool, but this type of tool, that when you're developing something new, one of the most important things is you have a way of scoring your progress. Absolutely, Dad, and good to see you, my friend, as always, uh, and uh, excited to be here uh, at our next episode. Uh, one of the things I love is the consistency with which we've been doing this now for a multitude of years, and when people uh, come up to me and say, I love your podcast with Dan. And, uh, you know, I've gotten involved in, in the work that you guys do. And, and so anyway, for our listeners, thank you for, uh, for listening. Gord, who checks our numbers, we're in the top 2% of all podcasts. There's about 2 million podcast series in the world. We're in the top 2%. And I think our Numbers, the last time we're in the roughly about 3 million original downloads, which is one of the main, not people just downloading, sending out to two or 300 people, but each download is a unique download. And that's really the golden measure in the podcast world. So we're getting out to lots of people and it's done a lot of good for us. We've had a lot of signups to Strategic Coach because of this particular podcast. Well, thank you. And I, I hope uh, hope folks enjoy Strategic Coach as much as I do. And, and uh, of course, uh, Abundance 360 as an option you can explore with me. Um, let's talk about uh, this, this particular uh, tool you call Profitability Maximizer. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been really educated on because of my work with you, but more and more, the number of startup products, startup companies. Of course, it's very, very exciting, but they talk about the ones that make it, Peter. They don't talk about the ones that don't make it. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you too can be a technology superstar. Yeah. And that's all you have to do is follow these rules and you'll be a technology yeah. superpower. Yeah, an overnight success after 11 years of hard work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking about your own history with this and my own history with starting new things. So I, I just one day I was just playing around and I came up with some words and the English language is a huge language because it steals from every other language. So I just happened to hit on three words, plausible, possible, and provable. And I said, you know, it'd be interesting to create sort of a checklist of things that you actually have tested out a new product or a new company idea with the marketplace before you actually bet the ranch on it, you know, that you're testing, you know, and you're very excited. You have a lot of emotion. You have a lot of ambition and everything else but you really want some measurable progress steps. So that's why I've put this together. Perfect. Um, well, I see 10 incremental progress steps here. Uh, and let's let's dive in because I think, uh, you know, 
I'm working on my 26th company and I love entrepreneurship. I think it's one of the highest forms of creativity and art form and uh, not only just about creating wealth, but making the world a better place. Um, uh, and it's so what you've laid out here looks really to my own experience, uh, very true. Yeah. So when we first start, you have a plausible idea. And for me, that means that you can imagine it. You can think about it. You can think about it to such an extent that you would actually investigate that. And in the 10 years that we've been working together, Peter, there's exponential technology, but there's been actually an exponential growth in the number of new entrepreneurs trying new things. I mean, and you would probably be more in touch with just what the growth of that is because you're so plugged in to especially Silicon Valley. Could you say just a few words about that when we get started? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the, the, the first two items on your, on your list here are plausible and possible. And it's, you know, I, when I wrote about this in, I think it was Abundance, I talk, you know, talk about uh, adjacent rooms, the, the, the adjacency of what's possible. And, and so, you know, uh, the car was not possible until someone had come up with the wheel. Uh, or I should say the, the cart wasn't possible. And then the car wasn't possible until someone came up with the engine. And, and so we have these adjacent possibles. And so I think one of the things that's going on is we're in this period of, of such extraordinary exponential growth uh, where computation sensors, networks, AI, robotics, 3D printing, AR, VR, blockchain, synthetic biology are just every day increasing the the universe of possibility and and the other thing that's fascinating is what i call the convergence of exponential technologies where it's like interestingly enough wow if i put this technology and this and this technology together this now becomes uh, uh, a plausible idea right the the day before something is truly a breakthrough it's a crazy idea and so I think in the in the first step, you know, you see it and it's intriguing and worth a try comes out of the realm of crazy idea out of the the realm of, huh, I wonder if. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, where I was especially aware of this was on the longevity trip that we took with you last mm -hmm. August. And one of the things was interest, how much, much of this had really been developed over the last three or four years of all the speakers that we, we talked about. You know, we had, of course, an unusual world event, which was the pandemic, and that forced a lot of the scientific and medical clinics to actually go virtual with each other. They were virtually communicating with each other. But so much of the emphasis throughout the two days was the collaboration, even with people who were competitors, who previously would have been considered competitors. But it was almost like there wasn't time for competition, that they had to move forward on collaboration as quickly as they could. And it's interesting how things all of a sudden flip from a crazy idea to a massive business opportunity. Right. And and that is that happens over and over again. You also have 
situations where uh, you see two or three or four or a dozen companies pop up with similar ideas all at the same time because a recent breakthrough has enabled a new entire new branch of entrepreneurship that wasn't possible before. Yeah. One of the things that I like to point out to my entrepreneurial clients, I said, well, I think it's good to be in a place where entrepreneurism is really supported. But I said that the biggest support that entrepreneurs get is what I would call adventurous consumers, Mm. that you have a lot of people out there who are looking for breakthroughs and solutions, and they have the money to support them at the investment stage. They have money, certainly, to support them in the capitalization of getting a new product out to the marketplace simply because they want to have the product for themselves. Sure. Absolutely. And should we talk about the next step on your journey? Yeah. The thing is provable. You want as soon as possible to set up the circumstances where you have clear-cut objective evidence that you actually have a breakthrough on your... It's not just a slightly better incremental improvement, but it's actually a breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge. We all have a limited amount of time. And if you're going to just make an incremental improvement on an existing idea, then you're in a competition with everybody else making an incremental improvement. You're in a smartness competition with them. You're in a marketing competition with them and and you're just unlikely statistically to win. And so it's worth your while to actually dive into an area that's not just incremental, but a 10x improvement. Uh, Astro Teller, who I just had on stage with us at, at A360 this year, who's the head of Moonshots at Alphabet, he runs a group called X, talks about, you know, um, the 10% improvement world and the 10X or 1000% improvement world. And so you really want to look at something that could be a breakthrough that um, is difficult, is hard, but if you pull it off, <clears throat> is uh, distinguishes you from everybody else. Yeah, from your own perspective, because you have bold ventures that looks at new things to invent, What's the checkout process when somebody comes with a new idea? You're discovering. Mm. What's the checkout process on your standpoint? Is there anything like this out there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I not like this. When I think about doing evaluating a company that is uh, coming through our our, our venture fund, um, you know, to some degree, it's around the entrepreneur, their passion, their purpose their ability uh, to perform. Um, And, you know, you always are, it'd be great to have someone who has done it again and again and again, but it's interesting. A few years back, I was, I was looking at the top 10 valued companies on the planet in the tech area. And, and, and the CEOs of those companies were the, I think six out of 10 were first time entrepreneurs. Right. So it was like Mark Zuckerberg and Larry Page and uh, and uh, uh, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. That was their that was their first gig. And they were still producing, you know, extraordinary. So so if you limit yourself to people who've done it again and again, you're going to be uh, sadly disappointed. So but there's some other magic. There's there's a level of of drive, uh, of purpose driven uh, mindset that they that they have. Um, so, uh, 
I think is it, you know, then you start, then you go into what Elon Musk describes as, uh, as first principle thinking. Is it possible given the laws of physics? An example there is when I remember having a conversation with him when he started Tesla, uh, the only reason he jumped in and Tesla was a pre-existing company and he invested very heavily eventually became the CEO. The only reason he jumped in was that he was going to be using the Lotus body uh, for uh, for his first cars. And uh, the batteries to achieve the goal, he thought, were there. And it turns out that, no, the batteries weren't there and the Lotus body wasn't going to accommodate what they needed. They actually had to modify it. And he, he said, if I knew... I would have had to develop the batteries and modify the, the car chassis. I would not have done it. It was his naivete that got him in. And once he was in and pregnant enough, it's like, holy shit, I need to solve this problem. Yeah. 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 The next two have to do with various aspects of the law environment that, I mean, the actual regulation laws. And one is, is it permissible on the one hand, and on the other, is it protectable? So permissible by the law and protectable also by the law. In other words, if you have a novel idea that the law will protect you, but in the first place, is there anything in the law that actually could prevent it or slow it down? You've had the experience, certainly of the permissible law. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Both with your zero gravity company and also with the uh, first X-Prize. The first X-Prize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's interesting. Sometimes what's what's holding stuff back isn't physics and isn't necessarily money, but it's regulations. We have to remember that the regulations that exist today – were based upon the world decades ago when they were put in place. And some regulations were put in place to protect the incumbents. Uh, and then you're in, in a real challenge. So <clears throat> a lot of times the innovation is uh, innovation that crosses regulatory boundaries. That is, let's make, let's make it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, when we started zero G, the idea of, uh, putting people into this parabolic arc and weightless inside an airplane was not legal. When we started uh, our $10 million on X prize for space flight, the idea of, of charging people to go privately into space and then bringing the rocket back, that wasn't legal. Uh, if you look at what, you know, the, the challenges Uber had in building an extraordinary company, it was, against the taxi fleets. Uh, Tesla's had that challenge with their, uh, with their uh, sales, not using dealerships. Yeah. And so the, sometimes you need to, if, if you've got the wherewithal to go and buck the system and sometimes bucking the system and changing the laws. And I had to do this in another company that, that company didn't succeed yet. Uh, planetary resources was for uh, extraterrestrial ownership of materials coming off of asteroids. We actually got the laws changed in the U.S. and Luxembourg, um, but the company didn't make it. But I'll take another shot on that in a, in a little while. 
Um, anyway, the uh, sometimes you you need to actually change the laws, and and you can do that if you have a product or service that is really good enough. If if something is ten times cheaper and ten times better, um, the consumers will demand that the laws get changed. Yeah, yeah the. Uh... Next one. So we've got just a review, plausible, possible, provable, permissible, and protectable. The next one is priceable. And I try to do this as quickly as possible. And I do that simply by taking the idea in its roughest form and getting out to likely customers, likely check writers. And I say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know, And so I build the customer into my creative team right from the beginning because they might say, well, let's say $10,000 for a new program price. Right. And they say, well, what am I going to get that's different from what I've gotten before? And you have a conversation with them. But every objection your customers has becomes a, a new design element of the actual product. And I know a lot of people, they'll have an idea for something, but they stay away from the marketplace for as long as they can. And I think Hollywood is famous for this. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. It's like, you know, the, the notion of um, when do you want to find out if, if the market is there or the price you're choosing uh, is viable? Do you want to find out after you put in years and millions of dollars? Um, and, and this is like, you know, uh, fundamental, uh, lean startup mindset, which is critically important. Yeah. But I build in about 10, we have a new program starting on Thursday, the lifetime extender in coach. And I had 10 of my most eager clients for health improvement, my eager clients for fitness, but also people who had a great deal of experience in this area on their own. And I built them right into the design team right from the beginning. You know, and I said, look, we're going to develop this together. I mean, your wisdom about this is very crucial to us. So priceable and then packageable. Everything has come together into a, an attractive, easy to understand format and form. I, I think Apple has been superb at the packaging. As a matter of fact, their packaging gets held on to longer than their products do. Mm. I remember when the iPod came out, they had these beautiful boxes. Yes. And the iPod wasn't even in existence anymore because the iPhone replaced the iPod. But I kept my boxes forever. And they, they, <laughs> I said, they, I, I can't throw the box. I, I've already thrown the iPod away, but I can't throw the box away. It's such a great box. But I think that packaging is very, very important because it's kind of the physical aspect of are you going to get something nice? Babs and I have just bought Catalyst exercise suits. Oh. They have beautiful packaging. I need to talk with you about that. I, yeah. How do you like it? Well, we just got them. We were away in California and Arizona for two weeks, so they just came in. They were waiting for us when we came by. But I looked at their their video. The box is beautiful. The way it's packaged is really beautiful and everything. So we will give you a report as soon as we have. Please. Soon as we have. It's possible right now, Peter, but it's not provable. So 
I mean, listen, packaging has more than just the external. It's packaging it as a product and a service as well. Yeah. That's attractive. As an experience. As, as, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I've been doing my longevity platinum trip, it's, as you know, you know, packaging it as a five-day, five-star experience that transforms a person's belief in how many decades they have left to live mm -hmm. has been an important part of that. And then producible. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that along with that was just the extraordinary quality of the speakers that you had these, you know, not only really smart, but very humane, all the, the ones that you had. They're very, you know, these were people not just with their brain in the game. They had their, you know, their passions in the game. They had their purpose of their life in the game. You know, it was very, very interesting to me. The next one is producible. I mean, you can produce one. Can you produce a thousand? Can you produce a million? You know, if you have a million customers, can you produce the wherewithal that they'll be satisfied? Yeah. And, you know, interestingly enough, uh, a lot of times your ability to achieve the price point you want um, or the uh, the number of units, because some of these things are depend upon other people having access to them. Uh, it's, you know, you can only achieve success if you're able to produce in large volume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a story, the incredible productive capabilities of the United States during the Second World War. And near the end of the war, this would have been January of 45, they had all these aircraft carriers. So the United States went from six aircraft carriers at the beginning of the war to 140 aircraft carriers at the end of the war. They had this absolutely amazing carrier plane called the Hellcat. And in 1945, they said, we've just produced a whole bunch of new Hellcats, so all the ones you have, just push them in the ocean. We're, <laughs> gonna send you, we're just going to send you new ones. So that would be about 4,000 planes. They just sent out 4,000 new planes to do it, and it was just that enormous production that they had. That'll win you wars, Peter. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. Now I have the next one is preferable, and I've already gotten – feedback, which tells me that I'm going to improve this and I'm going to change this next time to promotable. Yes. So you, you talk about what promotable means, Peter, because you've just gone through an amazing launch with Fountain Life, yeah. your new worldwide network of cutting edge labs, medical labs, fitness and health labs, which are going to be right at the cutting edge of research coming from the scientific and medical world. Is that, is that a good definition? Yeah, we, we, we're setting up centers around the world. We have, uh, by the end of this year, we'll have eight centers in the U.S., and then we have a waiting list of 20. These are 10,000 square foot facilities. Uh, and you go there uh, uh, once a year for a digital upload. It's a full body MRI, MRI brain, brain vasculature, uh, an AI-enabled coronary CT, DEXA scan, genomics, metabolomics. Uh, it's basically every, you're, di you're fully digitized. And then on a quarterly basis, you're checked up and you have a concierge doc throughout the year. Anyway, the idea on half of it 
is we're going to find any disease at stage zero when it can be uh, addressed. Um, and then the other half is the therapeutics. And this is, uh, we are constantly searching the world for uh, the top therapeutic technologies, uh, whether it's stem cells, exosomes, hyperbaric, um, you know, uh, uh, synolytic medicines and providing that to us. And so we want to become the fiduciary for a person's health. And, and so one of the questions, so that's fountain, it's called fountain life. You can go to fountainlife.com for information about it. I go every year and it's, uh, uh, it gives me peace of mind, but helps me know how to optimize my, my health. Um, but going back to the idea of promotable in your sequence of P's here, you've got the product, you got it at the right price point. Now the question is, can you reach the global audience uh, who are best fit for it? Um, now, Fountain Life, as an example, uh, Tony Robbins and I just wrote a book called, uh, called Life Force, and we wrote about Fountain Life in the book. And the book was a number one New York Times bestseller. And we had 20,000 people uh, get in line for, uh, to uh, go through the Fountain Life experience. Um, so it's pretty extraordinary. Um, so the book helped promote it. If you're Elon Musk, you can use Twitter to help promote it. You know? So the question is, how, you know, every week uh, I put out two or three blogs uh, to a couple hundred thousand people that are on my blog list. And in that blog, I talk about, here's the newest stuff that I'm working on if you're interested in it. And I use that to promote uh, the ideas I care about. Um, and this podcast uh, promotes uh, uh, Strategic Coach and, and Abundance 360 to folks. So. so the big thing, and I think promotable is better than preferable because... If you have a product that's promotable, the people who are promoters will get on board because that's what promoters do. Yes. Last one is palpable. And this is an interesting word. Palpable is you just kind of want to get your hands on it. You know, you're excited about getting your hands on it. It's not a question that you're doing critical research on it. You just want it. And yes. that's a function of everything that has happened with the previous nine P's, okay? So what I've done, Peter, with each of these 10 is I've I've used one through 10 as the numbers, but I've squared the numbers all, all along, and that, that gave me from one to 100, which was very packageable. It was very packageable to do this, but it shows that it's exponential as you go along. You have to grow a new company, you have to grow a new product, and this is your stages of growth and growth and progress. Yeah. So from your standpoint, if you would to take this and say a new venture that you're looking at possibly for both ventures or, you know, the individuals who are competing in your various prizes at XPRIZE, and then, of course, all the Right off the top, how would this be useful from your standpoint? That's the first question. Second question is, how would it be useful from their standpoint before they even talk to you? Yeah. Like if somebody used this, came in and showed you what they were doing at each of the 10 stages, would that move the conversation along more quickly? 
So we're living in a world uh, of massive increasing abundance, abundance of opportunities, uh, abundance of investable opportunities, abundance of uh, if you're in a company looking for your next product, you can come up with you know 100 ideas. And so I think this becomes interesting for how do you um, uh, how do you evaluate uh, what what you're going to do. Um, uh, and so, you know, one thing is you can horse race a number of product ideas against each other and then see uh, how they move up against this um, against these 10 things. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's one notion, whether you're a venture capitalist and evaluating, you know, the limited amount of capital you can invest. So, uh, how do you, how do you look at these, uh, or if you're a venture capitalist with your time, uh, like, you know, one of my companies, I, I typically will start, uh, at least a couple of companies a year and, uh, with my team and, uh, but there are a multitude of ideas. And now the question is, which idea do we actually hire around and invest into? Uh, this could, you know, these 10 P's could help move that. Yeah. I think you have to have a scorecard. I don't care what kind of venture you're in, that you don't have scorecards. And I was telling the new people who are coming into the Lifetime Extender program, I said, if you don't have markers, there can't make any progress. If you don't have measurements, you can't make progress. And it's so funny, we recommended people just to get your feet wet in the measurement business is a company that you introduced us to, which was Inside Tracker, which mm. is a, just a very simple, very easy. They have great service. They have a great routine with you once you start with it. And they do quarterly blood checkups and very, very fast reports. Then they give you coaching each time that you get a report on how you can improve your numbers. I was talking to some of my team members at Strategic Coach about that. And they said, you know, all that stuff you, you and Babs get measured on, I wouldn't want to know any of that stuff. And I, said, <laughs> and I said, you know the neat thing about that? You will know. <laughs> when do you want to know? I guarantee you, you will know. <laughs> I would just like to find out about all the troubles when they're at what you call stage zero. That's where I'd like to find out. <laughs> anyway, just to wrap this up, Peter, just uh, it was a little tool and it had a big hit on our entrepreneurs because for the most part, a lot of them just go on imagination and courage to start something. Yes. And my feeling is, well, those two things are necessary, but I think you need some confidence building structures too. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's also, not only does it help you tell you where you are, it helps you decide what you should be looking to do next. Right. I mean, I think that's, that's important. Uh, like, okay. Uh, I am you know, in a situation where I've, I've priced it uh, what do I need to think about next? You know, how to package, produce, and promote it. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. You improved my 10 Ps. With... <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. Yeah. Good. Always a pleasure. Okay. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you for joining us at Exponential Wisdom. Those of you who are interested in understanding how exponential technologies are transforming your world, how 
computation, sensors, networks, AI, robotics, how they're transforming every industry, uh, how you can see the future with enthusiasm and excitement and not fear the future, but be excited about the future, consider joining my year-round program called Abundance 360. You can go to www.a360.com to learn more uh, and, uh, and find out how, you know, an abundance, an exponential, a longevity mindset, a moonshot mindset can transform the future of your business. Right. And if you want to be uh, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times more successful entrepreneur in the world that Peter is mapping out and describing for us, then join us at strategicoach.com. We'll show you the growth path that entrepreneurs can take into all the amazing new exponential industries and businesses that are going to take place over the next several decades.